something outside. What is that? things to have a, a 
Bigfoot encounter. It takes a Bigfoot and a person. So um, mm-hmm. that uh, obviously there's, if there's less people out and we've seen that, you know, if you, when you look at the data, uh, weather has a huge effect and, and human activity in the woods and stuff, the times of years where that obviously just makes this common sense. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, if you look at, at the weather uh, over the years long enough, you can maybe see some trends there or, or lack of trend, uh, maybe some uh, predictability, at least when it comes to some of these sightings. And, you know, from California up the, the West Coast here, you know, we got a ton of rain. I mean, California is now officially out of a drought. And then you got all the rain up the coast. And now, now you're, you know, with with the weather, um, you know, taming down a bit and, and getting a little nicer, you know, you're starting to see people out there, obviously. And, of course, you know, like you said, it takes a, a Sasquatch and a person for a report. Um, I think, you know, uh, you know, with the amount of uh, deadfall that's been out there, a lot of the snags are coming down. Um, people are, you know, park services are, and when they're starting to get out there and clear this stuff up, you know, and, and now, of course, uh, you know, some of these roads that were unpassable are now passable. You're starting to get, you know, in fluctuation, fluctuation of, of reports. And, and, you know, I guess it, it really stands the reason. Um, I would say from what I'm seeing so far, uh, the reports are up this year compared to last year at this same time, though there were, there were quite a, there were a few good ones last year. Seems to be a little bit more reports um, up the Pacific Northwest area, at least, uh, compared to last year. Um, minimal, but still uh, a few more reports uh, compared to last year. Well, not, yeah, and you're never talking about hundreds of reports. It's, you know, sample. No. It's, you know, handful. You're talking about maybe dozens of reports if, if it's a busy uh, mm. squad season. And, and, and that's another factor you were talking about. We've had... We had a lot of wind this this year, uh, and last week when I went out with uh, Susan, and we were were going into an area that had has a history of uh, Bigfoot reports. Uh, we went down uh, one of the side roads up there, and I actually was walking out in front of the pickup, throwing stuff out out of the way so we could keep going because it was just you know trees and rock slides and all the and so uh, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, once the, as as we get this time of year, and and like you said, the Forest work Service has a lot of work to do to go uh, uh, clear out areas that are. First, I'm sure they're doing the places that people go to most often. I also, I mean, uh, uh, the thought crosses my mind is um, when uh, do Bigfoot um, let their guard down, get a little less guarded when they haven't seen people in in particular areas for you know, uh, uh, months or, or, or a way they don't see mm-hmm. their sightings of people is down. So, uh, they, <laughs> they are a little bit more, more, uh, apt to move around more freely, especially if, you know, we've had, like I said, uh, a lot of the roads and stuff have not been even accessible. I know that we couldn't get into our research area for, you know, a good part of the winter just because there was, um, too much snow. Yeah, it's brutal. So with us today is uh, a gentleman from from uh, my home state of Oregon, uh, David Boozer, and and David is the host and curator of PacWest Bigfoot. And uh, today I'd like to in, invite our guest, Mr. David Boozer of PacWest Bigfoot, to join us. Good afternoon, David. 
Hey, can you hear me okay? <laughs> I can hear you just fine. How are you today? Awesome. <laughs> Great. Actually, to all those guys uh, <clears throat> who left uh, some questions on my YouTube channel about what flavors are best with the uh, Sasquatch Coffee Company, my favorites are <laughs> Trinoc and <laughs> well, that's so. important too. So, <laughs> and I know. I mean, I, it's funny because I know. I, I recognize you. Quite, you've been a customer of Sasquatch Coffee for quite a while. So, thank you for that. Yeah, I, but yeah, I end up ordering <laughs> a couple. Yeah, every couple months or something. So, uh, with me also is Shane. So. Uh, We'd like to welcome you to Monster X Radio. And to start out, can you, uh, for our Monster X listeners, describe yourself a little bit and uh, your background, how you got interested in the subject of Bigfoot? Oh, yeah. Um, well, um, I'm, my name's David Boozer. I was raised here in uh, southern Oregon um, area around Ashland. I live in Roseburg today. Um I have five kids. I work from home as an uh, online marketing consultant and SEO specialist for companies and, and entrepreneurs alike. And uh, I like to do a lot of blogging. And um, that's really it for my business. <laughs> it's actually pretty simple. Um, the, uh, the, I guess you would say the interest in Bigfoot happened uh you know, I, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. It's just something that you, you hear about and when you're growing up, and, and uh, I did. But it was never really that real for me until uh, one Christmas. I was about 13, I think I was 13, somewhere right around there, 13, 14. And uh, uh, we lived out in a place called Rogue River, Oregon, and we lived in between um, – we lived way out there. We lived out past the high school there about good – seven miles out East Evans Creek Road. And me and my parents and my sister and brother at the time, we decided to go out and get our Christmas tree a couple weeks before Christmas, and we ended up at a place called Elderberry Flat. And uh, we, yeah, it was interesting, man, because it had, it had snowed the night before. and uh, um, But that day itself was pretty clear. There was hardly a cloud in the sky. It was a beautiful day, a beautiful morning. And uh, we pulled off onto this, like, kind of logging road, and it had a kind of a wide-open kind of turnaround area, I guess, for trucks or whatnot, and a little, kind of like a little tiny creek kind of thing running through it. Um, and me and my mom decided to go up kind of up the, the logging road up around the mountainside there ourselves to kind of go looking for a Christmas tree because we were, you know, we are Christmas freaks. So, um, you know, while my mom and brother and, sister were or my dad, my brother and my sister were over, you know, throwing snowballs and stuff at each other or whatever. Um we got up there about I don't know, about a good sixty five, seventy five yards up that road and we went off the road just a little bit and then we started coming back because we were like, ah, we don't want to get too far out here and uh, we started coming back and my mom's like, Hey Dave, look at this <clears throat> and it, it came out of the woods apparently about kind of at an angle, not too much of an angle, not but not a straight line, straight shot to the road and down. But it came out from kind of an angle and arced over to the road and then it went then it went straight down to the creek and it came back up. But they were it was a set of footprints with actual toes in them. And um these things I remember stretching and I, I was doing the splits at the time, trying to get from one foot to the other foot with mine. And 
looking back, I can almost guarantee that these footprints, I know at the time they were like, I'm a small guy. Even today, I'm like two inches shy of a disability check. But um, I'm telling you, these things were still like twice, you know, two and a half times the size of my own my own foot at the time. Um, and so I'm kind of guess, guesstimating, you know, around 16, 17 inches. But that's what it had to be. And um, they they were, they're not kind of slightly cockeyed, like, you know, human beings kind of shuffle in their steps, you know, side to side, side to side, going mm-hmm. down. Um, these things were right in front of each other. I remember everything that day. My mom, actually, this is when she came to believe that, that Bigfoot really did exist because about six or seven years before that, when I was even younger, we were camping at a place called Hyatt Lake. There's a little place called Little Hyatt. And her and other campers in that area, um, on a few occasions, heard screams, like these blood-curdling, like crazy guttural screams coming from a few miles back that way. Um, and this just kind of like, you know, just kind of threw it over the top. I mean, this was it for her. Um, you know, for me, I, I just found it absolutely amazing. But, you know, like I said, I was 13, 14 years old. Girl, you know, I was getting into high school. Girls were out and about. I soon forgot about it. Um, about 20 years later, <laughs> and about two to three miles down the road from that same exact spot, um, I didn't see it, and neither did my buddy or his wife. But what we experienced was absolutely insane. Now, I, I, I know what bear are. I know how cougar deal. I've lived in the mountains here. I've lived in the woods here. I, you know, I'm from Southern Oregon, and I've actually worked with um, and volunteered for almost a year to play called Wildlife Images in Southern Oregon. So I've worked with bear. So I know what bear tracks look like, and I know what they sound like then when they're running around, tussling around, or whatever. Um, whatever it was that night, and I'll kind of make it a you know, long story short, we were camping in this little area, and there was a lot of, like, you know, that small river rock that you get around these larger creeks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that and kind of the sand mixed into it. But we were camped there, and it was, you know, it was late at night. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, somewhere right around there, two, one, two, three o'clock. I don't remember exactly what time it was, but it was, it, was, it was late. All of a sudden, their daughter, she's like two at the time, just sat up screaming her head off, just this huge scream. And all of a sudden, me and Mike's wife actually sat up, and what we heard was, Right before that, right when she was, like, screaming, we heard, we, we just, it was like this, like, really heavy sniff, like a, you know, this, like, just deep sniff, and she screams as this snipping is happening. We could hear that, and the next thing you know, it was thud, thud, and then I think it was splash, thud, and then it was just crashing up, the, just running up a mountain, crashing through the, the brush and everything, going up the mountain on the other side of the creek. Now, when it went, thud, you know, it went, it went step, 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 you know, splash, step. That means it hit the creek once. That creek was at least 12 feet wide at the time, and that's in like the beginning of July or whatever it was. It was still pretty full. It was running pretty good. Um, so, whatever it, it took one stride basically to get over mm-hmm. that creek. That's insane. Yeah. You could feel the vibration of how heavy whatever it was walking away quickly. 
You could feel it in those rocks. It was heavy. I mean, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of pounds heavy. So, you know, and I, you know, and I always get people, they're like a little skeptical with what I say and everything else because trust me, I am a Wednesday night, Sunday morning church going creationist from everywhere. And I still <laughs> get people asking me, like, you really believe in that? And I was like, everything points to it. It pointed to the affiliates. It points to the, uh, I can't remember what the name of that creature is. It's um, Africa. But all of these things really do exist. And all the science and all the evidence just points to it. So for me, I just tell people, listen, I can't convince you of anything. I can't make you believe me. I can just tell you what I experienced or what I saw or what I noticed. So that's all we can do. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that the Ellenbury Flats, that, that area is uh, known uh, nowadays, at least from my perspective, as a, a kind of a, uh, a Bigfoot area. Uh, the Rogue River area, you know, uh, that's um, historically a yeah. great area for, for Sasquatch sightings and encounters. Uh, you know, you had you had found those uh, impressions uh, when you were 13, 14. Then you're back there, you know, what 20 years later, and you have uh, this 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 encounter. Uh, Not even you know, three miles away from that that particular location. Wow. So, you know, you're you're out there camping. Did did you did uh, the impressions? You know, when you were 13, did those come to mind when you were out there camping, or or you yes, know they did. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually remember, um, cause I, I remember that, um, the incident happened like a night, you know, the second night or something like that, that we were there, but I remember the day before that. And I mentioned to Mike, I was like, dude, I was like, did I ever tell you that one time me and my mom found these weird tracks, like just up the road here? He was like, no way. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, you know, my friend, I mean, you know. He's, uh, you know, one of them weed-smoking Oregonians. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, he, he totally, he was, you know, he he'd never experienced anything like that. But he just knew by, you know, what I would, just, just the way that I was, he was like, man, you really saw those things, huh? And I was like, yeah, man. And it's like, this is this is what we saw. We saw. You know, <laughs> later yeah. on, my mom would even question herself a little bit. She's like, are you sure we saw what we saw? And I was like, can you tell me anything else out there that could make those those footprints? I didn't say yeah. tracks. I said footprints. And she was just like, not really. I was like, you saw the toes. I saw the toes. Bears don't have toes. Not like that. <laughs> you know, uh, what if I, you guys, you know, you obviously, like you said, you know, you know the local fauna. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm referring back to this encounter um, where you guys heard the, 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 you know, the snorting or breathing uh, or smelling, you know, you know, the, the, well, you know, the bear, cougar, elk and, and whatnot out there. I mean, what was going to, I mean, when you heard this and you heard this thing take off, were you scared or frightened? Was your, 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 you know, rest of your party, uh, what was going through their minds? I mean, what were you guys thinking? Yeah. Up and... um, <laughs> his, his wife later, um, like it was not even, you know, just, just a, just a day or two later, she she kind of let us. She was telling her husband that she felt actually uncomfortable since from the moment we got there, she felt kind of off. And that mm-hmm. first night, she swear she felt like something was kind of watching us and whatnot. And she never said anything because, you know, my buddy Mike, he's kind of 
he's kind of a jerk sometimes. <laughs> and he'd be like, whatever, you know, wherever, wherever. You know, I mean or anything, but, you know, he's, he was one of those cocky fellows. And I was just, you know, I was the only person that would ever tell him to shut up, you know. And uh, um, he was just, you know, um, but, you know, she she didn't say anything to him until then. But um, when he, he actually, uh, you know, um, he heard the splash and then the crash. He, he woke up rather quickly too, but he, he woke up just in time to kind of hear the, the splash and the crashing through the woods. And we got out of the tent, he grabbed a gun. We had a flashlight. As soon as we got out of that tent and had that flashlight on, the noise stopped. And that's what really freaked him out. Because he was like, what stops like that? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Deer would keep running. Bear would keep running. Cougar would keep running. It's just instinctual. It's just what they do. This, whatever it was, stopped. Yeah. So, it, 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 it well, even, like yeah. Uh, even though you guys yeah. didn't see it, it's odd. Is that, I mean, the circumstances, the your description of the crossing of the creek, I mean, I you know, you automatically go through what you know, and and it's it was, not you know it eliminates it eliminates bear it eliminates you know it's does it doesn't sound like uh, a quadrupedal animal I mean it's it sounds like something this, this was literally, yeah. and I always tell people this was bipedal this was step step and it might be a third step or whatever but anyways with step step splash step and then you know basically running and crashing through. The brush and, and going up the other side of the mountain, uh, the other side of the creek was basically a, a huge, like mountainish hill going up, and then it it stopped the minute we got out with our flashlights and he had a gun. I, I'm you know I'm sure it didn't see the gun or anything, but it saw the flashlights. I'm sure and probably heard all right. of a sudden. And we stayed in the truck the rest, the uh, forerunner the rest of that night. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as hell. Yeah, we we. As humans think that you know, uh, even a tent we feel like is is protection from whatever might be outside of it. But uh, you got to think, if, yeah, Bigfoot wanted to get into any of our vehicles, and I drive a Jeep with a soft top, so it'd just be a, like peeling a can of, you know, a sardines. If it was that was <laughs> yeah. its intention. So <laughs> yeah, but I will be up there samurai. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So. It, that's interesting that you you said your friend's wife had kind of felt uneasy and had that feeling of being watched when you first got there. Did you notice anything like unusual about the when the area when you got in there? Uh, oh, did no, you hear no. the normal I've, wood wood sounds and you know was you know, that kind of um, stuff? I heard normal stuff from what I can remember. I did, but I'm a guy, so you know, and this was. Gosh, you know, twelve years ago or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. you know, ten years ago, years ago, uh, you know, at the time, you know, I, I'm a guy. I, I wasn't really paying attention to that. We went up yeah. there to do a little bit of uh, gold panning <laughs> for the weekend. Yeah. For the weekend, it was just a good time for him to drink beer, have fun with the wife and the kid, and uh, for us to kind of hang out as friends and family and whatnot, and do some gold panning and whatever. So, I didn't really feel anything. Um, Neither did he. Uh, it wasn't until that particular incident. It was that. And then um, we ended up, you know, we jumped into that forerunner the rest of the night. Uh, and uh, we we actually thought about leaving, but it was 
it was kind of me and Mike that were just like, you know what? I got the gun. I think we're fine. I mean, you know, let's just hang out. <laughs> you never know. And, you know, we were freaked out. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't too fearful. But I was scared. I mean, but I wasn't too bad. So. so, yeah, you weren't compelled to. And, and sometimes people are. They, they are so scared that they get out of the area. But at the time, did you, what did you think that it was? Did did you go to Bigfoot at that time? I went directly to that, um, and that's just yeah. because of, you know, the previous find and experience, you know, back when I was 13. And and I even made mention of that that evening. And that's kind of why we stuck around. He's like, dude, well, what if it is? You know, well, you know, hey, you know, maybe we can get a picture <laughs> of this stupid little smartphones we have or what Actually, there wasn't even really smartphones then as much as they were just flip phones with cameras. But, um, you know, uh, you know, we might be able to get a shot of this thing or, you know, he, we, I don't know. We were just kind of sticking around just in case. Me, my mind went right to Bigfoot, period. I, I went <laughs> right to And that's why I, I had a sense of fear. But it wasn't enough to sit there and have me, you know, run, you know, run to town, you know, in the forerunner. Um uh, I'd been out in the woods. I, I camp out there still. Um, I, I used to camp out, well, not anymore. Uh, I got a family and everything. But I, I even after that for a little while, I would I'd go out camping by myself, man, do some fishing up a high lake and just camp there in a tent by myself. I don't have that big of a fear of dying. It's something that happens. <laughs> yeah. can't avoid it. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, not to mention, I mean, I, I do think that we should have a healthy respect and fear for these things. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm not going to stop living my life because there are sharks in the water. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, seems, it, seems, it seems like, it, you know, even though you've had these, these two experiences, you know, one possible encounter, it didn't affect you to the point where I'm never going to you 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 uh, it maybe picked you know, you're intrigued a little bit, you know, maybe, I mean, where, what happened after that date? Where did, where did David Boone well, actually, go I think this? you're off to something right there. Maybe I'm not afraid enough because I didn't actually see it. Mm-hmm. So I might not have the kind of fear that other people that actually have had. I never thought about that before that way. That's interesting. So. It, well, it's, it was a point I didn't mean to bring up, but now that we're on that subject, <laughs> um, you know, it, that's true though. You know, so it affects everybody differently. I mean, when 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 you come across something that's not supposed to be there, you actually see it. I mean, it's solidified. You got that picture in your head forever. Whereas, you know, there is, a, I guess, a difference. But you know, I've, I've talked to, as have you, David, many eyewitnesses, and those that just had this, you know, lifetime hunters. You know, a lot that know though they didn't see something, they won't go back in the woods because of the experience. You know, something going through the forest like a bulldozer, throwing stuff, grunting, screaming. So I guess it has a different effect depending on the experience and, uh, you know, how much something like this blows your mind, you know. Some people kind of go, oh, you know, I always thought there was something out there. Cool. And others go, I didn't think it was real, and wow, you know. Yeah, I'm sure maybe if I would have, like, actually seen it, I might not have ever gone back to the woods after that (laughs) fact from what I hear from people. Um, some people ask me about some of the, you know, uh, encounter stories I come across. And, you know, I want to explain something real quick about my website and what I do real quick. Yeah. So people, you know, 
I am not some sort of BFRO out here. I'm not going around trying to decipher whether people's encounter stories that they give me are true or false. Mine is actually more or less kind of 40% encounter, 60% entertainment. Um, I'm here to kind of, when I, whenever I had my experiences, my mom had hers, and I had a couple friends that actually had visuals. Um, one time, you know, my mom came to me and one of my buddies came to me and they were like, dude, you know what, could you create a really cool, like, like story out of my encounter? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So I created these little backstories into these encounters, and the next thing you know, my mom comes to me and my buddy, and they're just like, you know what, this really helped us kind of process what we experienced or what we've seen. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, that's kind of a light bulb over the head moment. And so I ended up doing a few more for some other people, um, that had experiences, uh, one out of Washington, one out of California, or two out of California, one out of Washington, did those, and um, I got the same response. And so ever since then, I've been taking these basic encounters or visuals or whatever, and all I'm doing is creating the scenery behind them, you know, where they lived, what it looked like there, um, you know, you know, basically what they do for a living and, you know, why they were where they were. Um, but the encounters, the actual experiences, those are pretty much almost verbatim. And so I take those, record those down, and then write them back, uh, write mm-hmm. them out. So that's kind of what I do with my own stuff. And so I don't ever – I've had people from, like, the FRO stuff and other places come to me going, oh, man, you know, this is just crazy stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not here to, <laughs> yeah. I'm not here to debate whether or not somebody lies to me or tells me the truth about their encounter. I don't care. All I'm doing is sharing the information out there in a really awesome way, kind of like Native Americans have been doing that forever, creating these 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 awesome storytelling experiences. They're, they're expressing experiences and facts through storytelling. And that's kind of what I wanted to do here because it really does help not just people out here kind of, you know, get familiar with the whole Bigfoot thing or have something enjoyable or entertaining, but it actually has, it, it's been helping people process better what, they're, what, they've, what they've experienced. So to be a part of that was kind of awesome. That's why I don't charge anything for my – I have no content that costs anything. Right, right. So. But David, you bring up a, a point because uh, in your um, in, in your blog, you mentioned that um, that when you wrote down your personal experiences, it helped you personally process process it. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, can you explain that a little bit? I mean, I, it kind of goes along with what you're saying, yeah. but for for some of these others. Yeah, because I mean, even even like my you know like my mom or something, and she would you know years later kind of like second guess herself on like, did I hear those screams? Did I see those footprints? Um, I had those moments too, and then I decided to write out my little thing and put my story behind it. Except for mine was, you know, I didn't have to create such a back, you know, background story or stuff um, out of my imagination because I was there. Um, so when I wrote mine out, it just all made sense, and I was like, you know what? I did experience this. Yeah. I did see this. I did hear this. I did notice this, and so. You know, all of a sudden, it was just like it was like you know, it it, it was real. And so for mm-hmm. me, you know, regardless of the scientific evidence that that is out here for it, 
um, even regardless of that, there's there's so much more um, eyewitness reports. I don't believe everything that comes across my my email. I don't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, even if I find it a little far-fetching to believe, I'll still write it out <laughs> because I can. Yeah. Because they sent it. They took their time yeah. to do that. Why not? So you know. Um, so that's just you know. It really does. It, it, it. I think. I think that's one thing people can do is maybe record their event somehow uh, on mm-hmm. video or write it out. Um, sometimes it really helps us to process things better. Um, some people use um, painting. Um, some people use music. I mean, whatever it is. And some of us, like me, use storytelling. So yeah. we do. Yeah, it's such a great idea, though. To because uh, I remember, you know, having an encounter myself. You know, you. As time passes, you start to go, did that really happen? You know, and uh, I remember writing down my uh, uh, my experience on paper as well, and I could reflect on that just like as you did, and go, wow, you know, it really did happen, and uh, and, and and you can reflect upon that and, and um, learn from it, and you know, so that's such a great point because uh, a lot of people, you know, they bottle up inside, and you know, years later they they question. Uh, they question it if they, you know, if that actually yeah. happened. I think the other reason that so many people um, do kind of are very weary or skeptical of reports and stories, even mine or yours or anybody else's, is because mm-hmm. a lot of time we run across people that they're not willing to kind of let others know who they are. Basically, they want to keep their anonymity. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, I it still it doesn't make me doubt it anymore at all. It just doesn't. Um, if somebody wants to keep their anonymity, that's fine. Maybe it's because of their job, their position in society, or their community. Um, you know, <laughs> so uh-huh. far be it. From, I don't need your name. I don't need your address. I'm good. Right. You know, yeah. if I need your name and address. I'll call up the NSA and get it from them. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't David, even have, have to you... call the NSA. You just say it out loud. That, hey, I'd like to get so and so's address. <laughs> <laughs> They're already listening. They're already on. David, have you found David, a, you're, a lot of people? You're, oh, sorry, Garn, go ahead. Your approach, yeah, your approach to the subject of Bigfoot is not. You're not going out and doing field investigation. You're you're kind of a collector of of people's experiences and. Um, I do go out and about. We do go hiking, and we, we really love to go over to the coast, which, by the way, I'm going to be heading up north at some point I'd like to this summer and stop by and grab myself a bag in person of some good old tree knots. <laughs> um, but uh, um, uh, I live now in Roseburg, and I don't know if you guys know, but there's the Cow Creek Indian tribe and everything else. Um, they actually have some interesting folklore and and stories of of. Um, hairy man, basically. They're they're uh, stick man, if you will. They're Sasquatch. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I actually have a cousin who just moved here. He got out of the military. He did about four tours in Afghanistan. Um, he would go out for like a month at a time, and they'd go around crawling into mountains and caves, shoot the enemy, and come back. And so he's like, dude, I'm in. Let's go do this. <laughs> so actually this summer I was thinking about once in a while because it's only like 12 miles from me down there to uh, Cow Creek. And, you know, um, Grandma and Grandpa live uh, about a few miles from Cow Creek. 
And so getting up there, maybe doing some recording, maybe checking out some stuff, wandering around out there this summer, I'm actually planning on doing. Um, I have a gentleman in uh, Myrtle Creek who has some uh, very interesting finds. Um, I'm trying to um, get connected with him because he has a cast that he made of a footprint um, that he has not shown anybody yet. So um, he actually just got it this last summer. So I would like to kind of go and and check that out. And uh, he uh, he's a shop owner in town, so we kind kind of keep the anonymity at he's a shop owner in town. Um, but uh, I, I'd like to get up there with him. He's had um, he says he's had tree breaks, um, some grunts, and a couple screams that he's heard in a certain location, a certain area. And so he wanted to know if me and my cousin would like to go up there and hang out one night and maybe bring some uh, recording equipment and see what we see. But uh, um, do I get out there all the time? No, I got. Uh, I'm 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 a, I'm a father of five. We homeschool four of them. So. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, um, and my wife won't let me take them out because she thinks that they'll just be food. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all future squatchers. <laughs> they're all future squatchers. I'm actually. Um, we're going to start a a little. Uh, uh, little entrepreneurial class. I'm going to teach my kids how to use the web, how to do things like blogging and things online to kind of uh, build their own businesses here and do things. Um, the Bigfoot site I did, though, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't monetize the content other than, you know, basic AdSense like everybody else, and that's just because it's there to do, so you might as well. Um, but all the content I have is free. Um, because it, it's just something I do. I just love it. It's just passionate. I just, you know, I love sharing the stories and I love the community. Um, but it, it's been interesting. Um, you know, the YouTube channel has almost a million hits in the last 90 days. Wow. So it's been pretty powerful, pretty awesome. Now, have you had David, have you found and, and, Go ahead, Shane. Your you, turn. I, I was going to say, I was gonna, <laughs> before, we, before we skip this part, I want to ask him, that, you know, with, with uh, people reaching out to him, uh, you know, when, have you found anybody or do you get a lot of reluctant people, you know, where they kind of step forward and then they step back or, or you just you get a lot of people just re- willing to lay down their, their encounter or story? Um, you know, so far, I, it's been very few as far as the reluctancy is concerned. Um, there's been a few that have been reluctant. Um there was a uh, – got to understand that, that half of the content that I get, half of the stories that I get from people are secondhand. The other half, you know, or maybe it's even 60, 40, 40% are like firsthand. You know, 60% is secondhand. It's from my friend or my cousin. It happened to my aunt or my uncle. Um, you know, they told me this story, and they said it was okay to share, you know, whatever. Um, but as far as reluctancy is concerned, very few actually. Um, the rest of them are usually pretty pretty good to share. They'll even they don't even mind using a first name. Um, there's been a, quite a few that said, "Hey, you can use on my whole name. I don't care." Um, although I don't really like to do that, so I don't want anybody bugged online or anything like that. So I use first no. names and what. You know how it can be. All of a sudden, there's people with software out there scraping names off the of YouTube channels. So yeah. you know. Um, so we just use first names and stuff like that. But the reluctancy, not really. Um, there's been a few. And mm-hmm. I have to say there was uh, um, there was um, a couple uh, 
a lady down in Oric, California, and her kids had the uh, vision uh, visual. There was a gentleman that uh, in that same area as a kid with his mom ended up seeing one, and, and he was a little reluctant at first, but I ended up getting an interview with him on the YouTube channel. Um, and it was really interesting because it wasn't that. It was in Doric, and it was actually up the same road that that lady lived on. It's just his was down by the beach. So it was pretty interesting. Um, I also have one that was a little reluctant that's coming out um, here shortly up around. You guys know Frog Lake, right? Yeah, I just read that one today. Okay, yeah, yeah, that one's there. But I also have somebody who um, uh, emailed me about their encounter, wanted to do like a little sit-down interview um, about their experience out at Frog Lake that they've had and two totally different people that don't know each other. Wow. So yeah. like, well, that's cool. And, and this was before I even published that. <laughs> I was like, Excellent. really? I was like, I thought somebody else that had some experience out there. He's all, really? I was like, yeah. Like, man, I'm going to have to like, be a dating service for, like, Bigfooters or something here. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, geez, don't get me started. Because I used to be in the BFRO, and, and at one time there was a lot of questions about them. Some of the people that were in there were were in there to, you know. I get a lot of people ask me questions about what I think about, like, the Finding Bigfoot series and the BFRO. I like sure. the BFRO. I love the sites that have those more kind of um, police documentation type of files on it. I think it's great. It's not me. I like the more entertainment side of things. I really like that fun mm-hmm. while I'm learning this. But, um, and as far as Finding Bigfoot is concerned, you know, my good friend William – He's not a big fan of it, but I am. I, I like it. You know, whatever gets this this stuff out there, if it's an inter- entertaining way, uh, educational way, a police report file way, I don't care. Um, either way, I'm such a fan of it that all, you know, you know, I, I, if I could every day, I told my wife I would drink Sasquatch coffee um, just because. <laughs> 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 yeah, but um yeah, it's it's um I don't mind that stuff at all. I really don't. Except for that killing Bigfoot thing. That's going a little bit too far for me. I think that's a little ridiculous. So <laughs> I yeah, and, and I have never watched that, so yeah. I, I like I, I like I defend finding Bigfoot because people, you know, complain about the concept and what they do and what and like but this this is a show. It's a, well, first. It's entertainment, and it and it has raised the awareness of the the topic. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like our generation or this generation's uh, in search of that. It you know, it's there's a show yeah. on TV about Bigfoot every week. Yeah, that's cool. Um, there was it didn't awesome. used to be. I love that. And it so, seems like, you know, when you, get those, when you get those people that actually, like, complain about it and are all kind of bent out of shape about it, I usually look at them right in the face on camera and just say, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> you don't like it. That's right. Go somewhere else. <laughs> but that, that's probably that, the thing is, is that the, the complaints <laughs> about, you know, that, pe- that it is uh, people will be out hoaxing more because of finding Bigfoot. I'm like, well, I don't. For me, it raised the bar of researchers yeah. to to be more uh, discerning about their evidence. Is it really we need to pay more attention and vet well, our evidence? Know, the more crazy hoaxers that get out there and do some pretty fabulous hoaxing 
All that's going to mm-hmm. do is bring the evidence out in even more light. It's going to really stand apart and make people think. Because all of a sudden, you've got something that can't be duplicated. So as far as I'm concerned, put the posters on. I'm good with it. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I could, I, I'd like to see, you know, there's there'll be a point where it's, it's, they won't be finding Bigfoot anymore and it will kind of be a, a bummer out, you know, that that has ran its course. So, um, but in the meantime, if, if you enjoy it, take it for what it is. It's, it's entertainment first yeah. based on Bigfoot. It is. So. It is. It is. And I, I think, like you said, it brings about awareness in a very entertaining way. It's kind of like me, right. you know, we've got, you know, we've got some really awesome, platforms out here like Monster X Radio. We've got, um, you know, these other different cool shows and whatnot that really kind of bring about awesome information, education, and all this other cool stuff about this whole thing. I mean, the real serious side of everything. And then you've got, you know, platforms like mine where it's kind of like, you know, taking this this whole thing in more of an entertaining way where people can kind of just build that awareness I feel I feel like my kind of gig is more like a filter. It's like, okay, I bring them in here, they're interested, they really enjoy this, and then all of a sudden they're even more interested and they want to filter through some of the, you know, craziness and then they start finding their favorite things like, you know, um some of William Jevning's books or his show or Monster X Radio, you know, mm-hmm. they start finding these things. Um I think I'm kind of like finding Bigfoot where <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> I like a jumping point, well, that's you know true. what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, the funny thing is, yeah. I, as a Bigfooter I, and a researcher, I, I like stuff that is entertaining. I'll, I read nonfiction yeah. Bigfoot, you know, Bigfoot books as well as stuff that is science-based. So I, I enjoy I, your I've website actually, and reading the stories, and I, I know what I know that it's basically based on a true story, you know. So it's and it's it's good stuff. There's still there's still good information in that's there, you know. It's, it's, so. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be kind of the storyteller that, that, that writes things out and, in you know, that kind of, here's, this is based on a true story, okay? This is based on a true encounter. Here it is in story format. And so that's what I wanted to do. And then this way it gets, it's that jumping point where it gets people interested who might not have been interested before and, you know, hey, this is actually kind of cool. I really love this. This would be a great hobby. And then they start jumping into shows like yours, start learning more about people in the community, about, you know, some of this real awesome research out here and everything. And then it gives them that kind of, you know, that, that knowledge base where they can start going out and kind of doing things um, on their own and, and you know, diving into the community and whatnot. And so if I'm a diving board for that, I'm awesome with that. I'm good with it, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I well honestly, I appreciate, the, I appreciate the fact you're very upfront that that you are are taking, um, that you're expanding the story to fill in details and, and that there's, you know, some of it is creative writing. And yeah. unfortunately, there are, there are other sites and, and Bigfoot things that, that put things out there as they were fact with, and and they're clearly not. They may be based on yeah. a true story, or they may be completely fiction. But they put them out as as factual data, and uh, I'm not cool with that. I like that's why I, I like Bigfoot. Awesome. Yeah. When I put out my website at the very beginning, once I figured out that this was kind of a hit for people and they really liked it, 
awesome things. I made a video on my about page that told people, mm-hmm. here is what I do. Half of this stuff right here, the encounter parts of these, these storylines, are facts. The rest of it, everything around it, is from my own creative side. I'm going, they're going to say, you know what, I'm from this part of Washington, this is what it's like here, and then I'm going to go out, do a little research, and I'm going to fill in the, you know, the, the, the artsy-fartsy writing part of it. And they're going to give me their encounter. This is what I saw. This is how I felt. This is what happened at this point. And then what I'm going to do is go out and write it out. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, a story is based on a true story. And that's what I wanted to do here. And I made sure that that was known. And even from time to time when I'm I'm introducing, you know, getting ready to read back those stories on voiceovers, I do reiterate that fact from time to time, reminding people out here that here, this is not a place, this is not the BFRO here. If you're looking for the BFRO and you want some sort of, you know, uh, up-to-date reports and, and whatever, you can go to the BFRO. That is not this. You're in the wrong mm-hmm. place for that. This is for Bigfooters and other people to come and enjoy and just have some entertainment time and learn maybe some other things that are happening in their area, you know, whatever. But these are all based on a true story. So you're going to get some good information, but at the same time you're going to get it in a story format that's entertaining and that you can enjoy. So when you're not Bigfooting and you're just camping and having fun, you can read my stories back to your kids and watch them freak out. Maybe they'll p- behave a little bit better. Yeah, I can't wait for church camp. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, a good one. I was, you know, I was on your blog, PacWest today, and I was reading the Frog Lake encounter, and it went, and I was enthralled. Uh, it was, it was an, an interesting encounter with a great story, and I mean, it made it even more appealing to me because I know Frog Lake well, but. Uh, it was it was it was really well done and and uh, I don't think I'd read that to my daughter because it was a little uh, freaky, um, but uh, you know, speaking of freaky, I, what are, is there any particular encounter that you've taken and, and reported back and, and made kind of a story out of it that really stuck out in your mind that you found maybe um, a little frightening or, or or there was something really odd or, that stuck out? The um. The encounter up around, like you said, the Elderberry Flats area is actually a pretty hot spot, but I don't think people understand how hot spot all of Southern Oregon is. Southern Oregon has been a hot spot forever. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that. It's kind of like that whole Yakult, uh, you know, Yakult, and uh, up around Mount St. Helens area. This whole area is like that, and um, some of them, like first off, the the the, the the gal that was uh, had her tent dragged down in the Klamath River, that was actually a first-hand account I got from her. Um, that one was pretty freaky. Um, other one was a second-hand account that I had read, and fortunately a friend of mine got a hold of um, the dude's brother, a family member, who really did say this really did happen. But it's the one that happened up around Union Creek with a father and his son one Christmas, and they were heading back, got you know, you know, flat tire or whatever it was, and they were surrounded. And I've I've been there in those lodges there in those cabins, and I mean I never experienced anything like that, um, but um, I, I've heard it a million times mm-hmm. that way. there, <laughs> and that one was pretty pretty scary. The other one that made me feel really uncomfortable. 
um, that was a first-hand account was the Auric one. Um, that one had kids involved. Um, the new Oregon Coast one I had I have out here is also um, a first-hand account from um, the uh, um, uh, what is that out there? Um, uh, what town was that again? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Can't believe I'm forgetting it. Anyways, down at, at the dunes, basically. Florence. Uh, Florence. 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 And um, the one in Florence, I mean, that one in Florence had to do with some kids seeing it. Um, I actually am getting some pictures from them pretty soon about some imprints, uh, some impressions in the ground with like footprints. Um, but uh, the one in Oric with the, the the thing at the window, man, that one right there was pretty bone chilling for me. I, I, anytime it has to do it, it's very hard. It was actually, to tell you guys the truth, it was kind of hard for me to to write those up. I really mm-hmm. have this passion for kids, man. Um, when yeah. kids are being hurt or things happen bad to kids, I feel like hurting whoever it was that was doing it. Um, <laughs> I give to children's funds. I dig kids. Uh, I have yeah. five of my own, trust me. Um, so those right there, any time it has to do with children, I usually actually, to tell you the truth, try to avoid even listening to it. Um, just because when it comes to the kids, it's just it's just too much for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, so... Um, I've, I've actually, I don't really, I, I have like, I had like three other reports of children incidences. Um, I'm not writing them. I'm not dealing with them. I got them, but I just can't, I don't want to mm-hmm. I like it. It just makes me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do, do you get a lot of those, those, uh, you know, uh, children related reports or encounters? There was, there was only, um, I think there's been about six or seven of them. I've only written, I think two. Um, there's, there's others, but it's usually like they're all camping, you know, there was, yeah. there was a couple that were camping and the kids, um, thought they saw something across the way. And this was at Willow Lake. Now that one, I'm probably going to go ahead and write it up because, um, it wasn't really scary, scary by any, any means, but there was actually a witness that came forward. And I think this was, when was that? It was a Willow Lake. It was in the eighties, maybe late eighties who saw, um, and I, I used to live up at Willow Lake practically, and they saw Bigfoot up there on one of the peninsulas. But I ended up having um, a lady and uh, her husband um, email me not too long ago, about two months ago, maybe even before that, maybe like December or something. But uh, They were there at the time, and they swear their kids said they saw the same thing at the same time. And um, they also heard later that night they kept hearing a scr- you know some screams in the distance, in the distance. Um, and they were they were camping on the far side of one of the inlets there. And I used to go over there and we'd throw like M60s out in the water, tie rocks to them, <laughs> and fish up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I did as a kid. Um, <laughs> so, um, but uh, it was really interesting. Um, but there was a couple other encounters that had to do with kids and some pretty interesting, you know, um, I guess it's just interesting, just really kind of hair-raising. You know, it, one of them was in a yeah. camper, you know. Um, the kids were in the camper. The folks were down by the lake. The kids were napping, and this thing was there right outside the camper trying to get in. And I'm just, I just don't like dealing with that camp. So... 
Yeah, I mean, I understand. A lot of reports, have, you know, there are uh, a lot of reports are, it seems to reflect that, that Sasquatch may be attracted uh, to kids. And that would be just because kids are predictable and they're harmless and they laugh and they're, you know, obnoxious at times and that could be a, a thing there. But, uh, no, I can appreciate uh, your stance on that. I, I have, a, you know, a daughter myself, a young daughter, and, uh, yeah, I yeah. can imagine. Well, I mean, yeah. just so you know, I mean, I don't, I don't like to write up stuff too that's that's way far fetched. You know, I'm not going to be writing up stuff that people send me about Bigfoot drinking beers with Elvis on the moon or them phasing in and out of existence or something. I don't I don't do that. It's a physical creature. Some people sit there and say that this is like some sort of relation to the Gigantopithecus. I, it is the Gigantopithecus. I don't think it ever went totally extinct. <laughs> so. You know, they can try to compare it to it, um, but I'll tell you what, I think it is. That's the, that's the difference here. Um, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's what I believe. I believe it is gigantic. Yeah. Okay. You know, there, there, there are a lot of theories, and so you lean yes, do you think it's... Um, I mean, you obviously give this some thought. So, I mean, why have you um, why, why have you come to this, you know, possibility? Wait, say that again. I kind of missed you on that. Oh, sorry, I said no. Why have you come to this possibility as it, it being gigantic? Well, if you start thinking about it, um, some of those like ancient fish that they say gone extinct for you know the last millions and millions of years, although that's pretty much impossible in millions of years. But if you really think about the science behind everything, you get past the political correctness and the craziness that we hear around today, and we just get to the scientific, you know, the facts of, you know, the scientific facts behind everything, um, those fish are still being caught. We have this thing called something memembo, memembe, whatever it is, out in Africa. It's like a small little dinosaur-like thing that swims in the water. It's Loch Ness, basically. That's what it is. That's the description of it. And um, a, a friend of mine, um, he runs the um, Creation Museum. Um, he's a well-known scientist. He's debated um, Bill Nye the science guy and ate the guy for lunch. Name's Ken Ham. He shows actual proof that this thing could exist today. And the thing is, you can use the same exact, um, uh, you know, time-tested science to say right now, I'm pretty positive that Gigantopithecus it has not it is not um, extinct. That it exists today and exists in the form and in the, the the animal or creature that is known as Bigfoot or Sasquatch. The billy ape for crying out loud. He's like three times taller than a regular chimp and walks around on two legs half the time. So they were supposed to be something of myth, but here they are nonetheless. So, you know, I'm not going to count I'm, just because somebody gives me a jaw of something and tells me it went extinct when we have all these reports. You know what? Maybe it didn't. You know, maybe the Gigantopithecus just moved like people. We just dispersed. So, um, that's that's just what I believe. I don't, you know, 
we, we see these pictures of Gigantopithecus, but you got to there are these big statues of them and everything else. But you got to remember that um, when they put those things together, all they used was a jaw. So they got the rest of this creature from one jaw. Um, I think it probably looked a little bit different. I think they more or less look uh, look like Patty, <laughs> the Patty film, <laughs> you know, that kind of Bigfoot, um, more than it looked like some sort of giant apish orangutan looking thing. So, you know, that's but you know that's that's kind of my opinion on that, you know. Um, but you know, I, I always tell people to follow science and leave the rest of everything else out of it. Science, science always, the facts lead to the facts, and the facts lead to the truth, and even if you don't like the truth. It doesn't matter, because it's just the truth. And so I don't believe the gigantic significance today. I think it still exists, and exists in the animal we know as Bigfoot. It got quiet. Shane, <laughs> are you still there? Uh, <laughs> one of the I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to start writing like the, children's big book books. My kid's got one. It's awesome, man. He loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on your on your blog, there, you uh, there's a quote that says, "I the more I seek answers through science, real science, and through people and their own unique stories." I can see what the natural world and creation can a- accommodate. What What do you yeah. mean by that? Well, it's kind of like when people come to me with some pretty crazy things, like you know, well, Bigfoot was, you know, is 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 half man, half ape. Well, first and foremost, there's no such thing as a transitional species out here. There's nothing out here that shows cat dog ever. As a matter of fact, right. protein inhibitors within our genes does not allow for that. In our DNA does not allow for that. There's, you can't transition from one species to another. So for me, it's like when you follow science. So when you're telling me that, that you know, first it was an orangutan, then it was a Gigantopithecus, then it was Bigfoot. I'm just telling you that Gigantopithecus was always Gigantopithecus and it still is Gigantopithecus. We just call it Bigfoot or Sasquatch, mm-hmm. Mouse Devil. Um, so, oh my. you know, yeah, that's just kind of, it, well, it's, <laughs> I get all kinds of crazy questions sometimes because I, I am, I am a believer. I'm a faith-based guy. And, you know, people are like, well, I get all those stupid animals on that ark. And I was like, 95% of the, of the animals on this planet that are air breathing are smaller than a house cat. It was easy with a room to spare. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shane, I let you, you take that next question because that segues right into one of our questions. Uh-huh. Well, it does, uh, but I sorry, blog talk uh, acting up. I was speaking and no one was hearing me, but I was I was going to get back <laughs> to gigantic uh, uh, history, well, actually, because I, I have to. For me personally, I know Sasquatch exists. I know it's there. I just don't know what it is. So that's an open question for me personally. Um, I have to leave the, the option of Giganto. But I could also think, uh, I've always thought, my line of reasoning is they're finding uh, new creatures every day uh, that, you know, have gone extinct. Uh, you know, and, and, and many different types of fossils are being found uh, around the world. Uh, there's no reason a, um, a primate couldn't um, 
not you know could have been in in the Americas for a long time and still here. That maybe maybe it's not a giganto. Maybe it's a, a cousin of giganto. You know, maybe it's a you know something else unique. But it's uh, it's very possible. You know that it is giganto. And as you were describing yep. earlier, they're based their whole concept of gigantopithecus is based off a, a, a mandible, a jaw, and some teeth. And then they create this huge creature uh, that may maybe completely wrong. They've done it with dinosaurs. <laughs> well, they did it with human beings. Whenever they sat there and did the um, the man and the young boy out there in France, when they claimed that they had those, like, um, you know, cavemen-like guys, they basically took these skulls and the missing parts of the skulls, and they filled them full of dental putty, right, in the mm-hmm. shape that they, that they wanted them to be. Not the way that they are supposed to be, but the way that they wanted them to be and made them look like some sort of Cro-Magnon man. Um, but if you do the, the actual testing of, of the skull and what they had, they were human beings just like me and you. Same exact. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, you know, I don't have a Cro-Magnon look. I mean, maybe some guys do, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't make them Cro-Magnon. Right. <laughs> Well, I think I think to Shane's point, I think that I I think we do have an incomplete fossil record. I mean, I, you know, I think that that's uh, uh, we discover new, new species are being discovered all the time, um, and I I agree with you, David, that there's no changing kind as or yeah. or a transitional species. You don't you don't have a bird go to yeah, you, you I, find, that, yeah, that's you a whole other show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it I, is. I, I believe I believe in adaptation. I don't believe, yeah. So, I, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. animals have adapted to their environment, but not went went from yeah. a and fish so, to a cat to a dog, right? <laughs> and, and you hear, However, like, um, there's natives in Alaska, and this is kind of interesting. Natives in Alaska that say that that they followed the hairy man to that particular part of the world. Okay, so the hairy man follows these rivers and waterways and everything else, and the natives went with them as well, or it was vice versa, one of the two, anyways. This is what we hear. Now, during that dispersion, which happens in Genesis chapter 9, which is what every historian goes back to, whether they believe in the Bible or not, that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with dispersion of human beings across the planet. But at the same time, certain things move. Dogs move, cats move, things move, animals move. And the next thing you know, why not Gigantopithecus move as well? And maybe it did kind of adapt to the different types of, of, of um, environment. You know, up here, it became a little more hairy. It became maybe not as tall or bigger. Maybe it weighs a little bit more than it used to because now it has a rich, you know, food base of deer and elk and beaver and whatever. So, yeah. you know, but why can't it still be Gigantopithecus? Why does Gigantopithecus yeah. have to be, uh, you know, gone? The full yeah. report. You, you make a good point about the, the adaptation because, you know, if you look at uh, gorillas, for example, based on the region, you know, you got lowland, uh, you know, river, blah, blah, blah. There's, you know, usually a 30 to 40% difference in size in some of these different gorillas just based on the region uh, th- that they're in. No no reason that, you know, some of these Sasquatch reports in the United States, you know, you got the Pacific Northwest, 
and then you got, you know, reports from, you know, back east and, and Florida area, you know, that range in size and color. There's no, you know, for me, it's not rocket science. It's, uh, you know, adapting Region. to your environment. Yeah. It's adapting exactly. to your environment. It's, like, it's just like human beings. We are one race. It's not, it's not the black race. It's not the Asian race. It's not the white race. It's the human race. The reason people are black or, or lighter brown or lighter shades or white is because of regional things. It's environmental it's where they're from that causes certain pigmentation, adaptation, things like that. I get that. I think the same thing happened here. <laughs> you know, um, you might be corn-fed and deer-fed out there in the uh, Midwest, and over here you've got elk and deer and goat and whatever, you know. <laughs> you might be bigger and heavier and hairier. And while in the Midwest, you ever notice that sometimes you hear they talk about them being a little bit taller and lankier, you know, a little thin. And, you know, well, that's what happens when you eat corn, I guess, but still. Yeah, well, when, especially uh, Roundup Ready corn. It's not that great for you. <laughs> Green corn. <laughs> Whoever thought of it, that, man, that's, that's, now there's a show to do. Um, right. As far as... Um, Myself is concerned getting out there. I am going to be getting out there a little bit more this summer, and I'm going to start doing that myself and kind of adding stuff into my own Facebook page and whatnot, and sharing out any sort of, you know, evidence and experiences that I have, um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of future. And PacWest Bigfoot is just going to kind of stay what it is, you know, people sending in their encounters or encounters of people that they know, and I'm just going to create those nice, awesome, you know, Here's a based on a true story account. So, you know, I'm going to keep doing that because I really enjoy it. And I, just, I love it. Fun. It's interesting. Yeah. It's awesome. It's nice getting to know all these people. And, you you, you know, it's – I really enjoy Pack West Bigfoot. I really do. I enjoy it for, for its content, for its, you know, your storytelling, and for, you know, the, the encounters. Um I I'm, I plan on delving more into them because you got quite a few up now. Um, both uh, I can read it or listen to them. Uh, but have you noticed personally, David, any any sort of patterns? Or I mean, maybe not patterns is the wrong word. Have you noticed any consistency with some of these reports you, you're getting in or, or stories? Uh, yeah. I mean, in, yeah. Yeah, I, actually I do. Sometimes people will be like, hey, this stuff is written by the same writer. You can tell. And I was like, well, yeah, duh, it was me. Ding dong. <laughs> like, now, as far as the writing is concerned, yes, it's going to be my writing, but the encounters, if you beat it to them, you look, I know that's a good one. Uh, I actually had to say that to a few people once. I was just like, duh. Uh -oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was like, good. Night 11. Um, uh, basically, though, if you look at the encounters and the actual experiences, so when you're reading through my stuff or listening to me or whatever on the channel, and I get to the point where it's like all encounter and the experience, um, I've noticed that these things, there are some people out here that, yeah, I believe they have some sort of benevolent quality, that they are kind of like some sort of mystical being of some kind. And, you know, if you want to believe that, I'm fine with that. I don't believe it, but if you want to, I'm good with that. Um, for the most part, the encounters that I get um, are either um, there's some sort of like indifference, like not like total indifference, but like, hey, this is my territory. You need to leave. Mm. I don't like you here. Or it's actually a bad experience where it's like these things are kind of aggressive. 
and I believe it's because it's a wild flipping animal. It's an animal. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> you know, you can be dating go coming around. Well, I go think that it is totally possible, and and I'm not gonna I'm gonna throw this out there because I totally believe this. I believe that if you're Jane Goodall and you wanted to go out here and befriend a little family of Bigfoot, I think that it's a possibility that you would be able to do that if you could. Okay? I get that. Because she did it with these giant gorillas. Why can't you do it with, uh, you know, another type of, of sheepish animal? I don't see why not. However, you've got to remember that these things have, they have instinct. They are wild. These are... Um, you know, and, and, and like gorillas and like chimpanzees and like the Billy Ape and everything else, they're highly intelligent. They're probably the one of the most highly intelligent uh, species on this planet. And um, if it were not so, we would have found them and they would we'd have dead ones right now. Mm-hmm. But these things are so Makes intelligent, sense. they're very evasive. Um, the Billy Ape had been evasive from uh, white folks for how long? hundred years since we started hearing stories of them? And yet we didn't find any until when? The ni- late 90s, early 2000s? When was that? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, is there a huge population here? I don't think it's huge, but I think it's bigger than we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think there could be a couple thousand sitting around the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I think that'd be yeah. a reasonable reasonable number. Um, you know, I don't think they're in the oh. hundreds of thousands or anything like that. Definitely not. But I think they are rare, uh, but yet, you know, uh, and nomadic. I think that's why they're seen from place to place. But they, I think, generally do avoid people as much I as possible. I think they're I think you hit that right on, right, that, that nail right on the head. Most people believe that they might sort of like, you know, basically uh, uh, migrate from one breed to another. I don't know if they do that as much as they are just nomadic, where they kind of follow their own kind of wild instincts of, I'm going here now. I'm going here. I'm going to stay here for a while. I think they're kind of nomadic. I do believe that they probably stay within regions, like here in the Pacific Northwest. I don't think we're going to find the same one out in Indiana. Well, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. right? They don't Great go. White. They don't vacation in Florida. The Oregon ones yeah. or the ones from New York don't vacation in Florida. I think they yeah, follow the exactly. food source. I mean, that's you know, I think uh, it makes it makes sense that a predator that large would would not expend you know energy not without purpose that they would be yeah. following. They they're going to need a lot of food. I mean, if you, if if you they are. yeah, if you go by you know the size and and that also limits the population is that there's only you know you can't have a hundred bigfoot in a a small area that that doesn't isn't supported by the food and the habitat so, yeah no you would you wouldn't have any deer left in say thirty days <laughs> They'd all be right. well and the thing yeah. is it's you know a a large number of bigfoot in a certain area would leave so much sign that it It'd be impossible for them to evade humans yes. if, if, even if they wanted to. Yeah. So, so. I mean, you find something like, you know, something like up around, you know, um, I'm sure you're familiar with like, you know, Hyatt Lake, Howard Prairie, and all of that. I mean, having something like 
you know, eight to ten Bigfoot being up in that kind of area around there to Mount McLaughlin, I don't see why not. Uh, that's plenty of space for that many to, to, to you know, habituate for a while and to roam around it and feed it until things move on. So, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. travel from elevation to elevation and, and from, you know, I mean, uh, they, I would imagine Sasquatch could get around pretty dang quickly uh, if need be. Uh, I, I know one thing I often think about, David, is you know you get a lot of these. Uh, I'm gonna say a lot of these. There, some of the the best vocals are heard, you know, during certain times of year, uh, are recorded. You know, they're not. They're, you know, good vocals or Sasquatch supposed vocals are uh, fairly rare. Uh, and I have to assume that you know possibly, you know, we're you know you're, you're dealing with uh, individuals that come into the same territory or it's mating season or something. And that's why we get some of these really good vocals sometimes. I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, I mean, we were just talking about, you know, groups, you know, and I do, I do think personally think that Sasquatch, uh, you know, at times may be in a family group or a situation similar to uh, primates, apes. Um, but do you, do you believe in like, you know, like with what happened with you and, uh, you know, uh, some years ago we yeah. had this, something come I mean, into your area? I mean, was that a solo individual? Do you think that's possible? Um, I, I think that one was just kind of a loner, uh, one of those kind of like a rogue kind of thing. Um, was, what was he, you know, what was he or she there for? Um, you know, could have been curiosity as far as I'm concerned. We also had food laying out, so who knows? That was pretty stupid of us. But um, um, at, at the same time, you know, I guess I would say that I'm kind of I kind of believe what you believe. Um, I'm thinking more or less when we when we hear and get more vocalizations during a certain you know period of three or four months during a, a year in a given season. Um, I'm thinking more or less uh, mating. Uh, I do, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that's that's probably the the best um, answer. Because you got to remember that you're not talking about a huge population, but a bigger population than what I think most of us believe. But then mm-hmm. again, they got a great population. So um, I think this is whenever they're locating each other and finding each other. And this is when you start seeing people going, oh, I notice these footprints. Or You ever notice that it's kind of like um, usually around, around late spring through summer that you find a lot of stuff and maybe early fall. And you, a lot of people find, you know, have vocalizations and they have a lot yeah. of footprints and, and but people are out and about they're camping they're doing things and at the same time so are all animals all animals in between that time are meeting and storing up and eating and getting fat and what do you think they're doing same yeah. thing and so was, you know i think we find that um especially the the vocalizations i think it's mating it's mating calls it's, it's attracting um that the only other thing that i think it can be from time to time is a warning for warning. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's some vocal. I mean, there's some clear vocalizations that are get out of our territorial. I mean, that some of the things that people describe, it, it sounds like it could be nothing but like get out of where I'm at. Right. I mean, that's yes. when people are I being yelled at from close proximity. I think those that, are the only reasons that, kind of, that something found. 
And that's why they're so yeah. stealthy. That's why we don't find them or anything like that because they don't go around, you know, smacking their gums all day long like we would trying to hunt, you know, talking right. to each other. Um, these things well, that's are quiet. interesting. Yeah. No, the, it's interesting that you're talking about them, you know, because one, one of the aspects or the, the techniques on finding Bigfoot is to vocalize. And I've always thought that's funny because, as you know, in, that that's something that's perpetuated through the BFRO. People go out and and do calls and 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 sometimes you do get responses. But I've always wondered, like, okay, if Bigfoot believes that uh, that that's another Bigfoot, what do they think we're saying? And I'm concerned that I, they think that I, we're saying, "Hey, big fella." <laughs> I don't. I, when I see that stuff on Finding Bigfoot, when they're doing like goofy, like nightstick glow dancing with baby right, crying, right. Cr- I, I think to myself, that's entertainment. Okay, that's right. like that's like Hobo me, and a dress like, entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like me. That's like me creating the backstory to you know the right. encounter stories I have. You know, that's kind of that. Um, I don't think these things. Um, even when they make those calls or we whistle or whatever, I think they know. They know that it's not their kind. Um, but here's the thing. I think they can be pretty curious, and curious in a way that um, I think has to do with, like you said, territorial. Okay, what's over there? I need to get it out of here. Whatever it is needs to leave now. And so, you know, they might have young, they might be feeding. Um, the, one of the most interesting encounters I've ever heard was the uh, dad and kids that were backed down all the way to their car by a Bigfoot who was 10 feet in front of them. It was that over in the Clackamas area? Clackamas yes. River. Yeah, yeah and, the, and the dad had a fishing pole. He had a fishing pole. That was here. He was yeah. on that one, yes. I got that I got that story from a family member, and the family member actually, um, uh, the uh, father made a report about that to some uh, Sasquatch guys up there in the Clackamas Escada area right. um, years ago, and um, it was it was rather interesting. It, 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 it it's like it wasn't going to hurt them. He said it just it, it just it made it feel like that. It's like you need to leave. Or I will eat you. You need to leave. You need to. <laughs> right. Well, part of that story, that story, there was juveniles <laughs> yeah. there uh, along the river behind. So it was yeah. almost like maybe protecting, like, okay, you've gotten too close. Because it kept, yeah, it kept looking back over its shoulder. And it kept looking and it kept looking. Every few minutes it would just, it would glance over its shoulder, even even in a very subtle way. Um, and it just kept walking them back. Those encounters like that, I find them extremely interesting. While I still find them kind of out there, like wow, I wonder if that really did happen. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can see it. I, 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 there's a part of me that says, if this did happen to them, I can see that happening. I can see that thing backing sure. them down slowly to get them out of there. So maybe they thought there's a pole in the hand sort of weapon, a gun, or something like that that they might be familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A, a, bl- <laughs> yeah. a bluff walk, not a bluff charge, a bluff walk. Right. A well, that makes walk. sense. I mean, yeah. Other other animal, known animals, you know, that are in 
that we already know exists or have been proven to exist have that mm-hmm. behavior. They are protective of their young. So that yeah. that doesn't yeah. And I like the stories where there's uh be where we see behavior. Um you know, yeah. the the running across the road stories are, are very common as like why did the Bigfoot, you know, cross the road? After a while that yeah. you don't learn too much more out of that. It's transitory, they're moving. You know, but but uh, seeing yeah. like that kind of story is so unique. And uh, the stories, um, chain story is, has some interesting elements that, to me, imply territorial. Uh, why you know why did this animal act this way? Why was it beha- its behavior has a reason, you know? And it's and, and a lot of that seemed to yeah, be intimidation. Animals, if you're in an area that I don't want you to be in. Get out. Yeah, even animals that so, run on instinct still have reason. They they still do things for a purpose. Everything is purposeful. Right. When they go from here to there, it's for a reason. Right. Um, you know, so everything, it, the only thing that, that, the only, actually, the only living creature on this planet that sometimes does things for no apparent reason. <laughs> it's human. <laughs> yeah, why do we sit around and watch Frasier all day on Netflix? We have no idea why. Uh, <laughs> I do, by the way. Um, it's, to cons- it's to conserve energy. Because <laughs> you don't energy usually energy. sit and binge watch TV sure. without, you know, storing up on carbohydrates and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, really. So yeah, no, I you know I'm I had my own experiences. Um, I've seen some evidence that that has told me. Um. You know that that the possibility of being like that out here um, to to be real that these encounters that I hear from people shouldn't just be shunned and, and tossed to the side that every one of them has a right to be heard should be heard and peeled through. Um, I'm not going to be peeling through them to find out if they're true or not, but um, I really do like to hear them whether whether or not either way uh, because well you. Um, if it, if it no, really you does sound something real and awesome, you can learn something from it almost every time. So, and and you're not without any filter of, like you said, the too fantastical story of Bigfoot flying in on a unicorn is not going to probably you're not going to see that on PacWest Bigfoot. You there is a little bit yeah. of a filter of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you have you to think. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had some pretty fantastical stuff being sent my way, and I, I mean, I right. never expected to get this kind of um, I never expected this kind of uh, reception. I guess you would say, um, almost a million views on YouTube. My my site got shut down because I overused my server space. I blew the server. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there was forty thousand hits by noon. It was crazy, and. Um, I never really expected that. Um, but then again, you know, I didn't – I really am picky, man. You guys, I am really picky about what I put on here. You know, I've heard some pretty fantastical stuff of people going, you know, I hang out with Bigfoot every day at my house in the mountain. You know, we the other day I invited it over for barbecue and sat it there and it ate right next to me. Um, right. Oh, 
Yeah, you know, I would let the organ weed go on that one. Quit smoking it because you got some issues. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. So. <laughs> I'm pretty blunt on my side about things. Um, I can be pretty blunt in my, my own um, interviews and stuff like that. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I really enjoy the entertainment value that it brings to people in the community as well. Like you guys, you know, just enjoying it for what it is. You know, hey, you know, what happened, that would be kind of awesome because this is what they said happened. Um, that's awesome for me. Um, it's kind of entertainment and, you know, seeing what else is happening out here. That's really it. I didn't, I didn't, I don't mean for it and I don't want to mean for it to be anything else. Yeah, I don't, I don't want it to be. This is not mm-hmm. come and you know sit down. Let's let's really go through the evidence and everything else. I leave that to you know smarter people than me, like you guys and yeah. and uh, Williams, kind of sit through and really filter through that kind of information. I didn't want to do that because I didn't have the time. <laughs> you know, working online already. Uh, you know, developing. Yeah. So if you guys ever want a really cool website, let me know. I do that stuff. Um, <laughs> And I and you so. can find David he is actually a, a web uh guy. He he does websites and and um Yeah, I have you you Yeah, I have uh DavidBoozer dot com as an internet marketing consultant. I've actually consulted for three Fortune five hundred companies. Um so. I also started a new one where I'm teaching people how to blog and use blogs, um called blogbythesea dot com. Um, and uh, it's brand new, and it's already had hundreds of hits over the last three weeks, so it's been pretty awesome, and it's kind of where I want to go with my life. Um, eventually, the only thing that I will be online is uh, PacWest Bigfoot and uh, Blogways. So that's kind so, of where I want to go um, my life. <laughs> the rest of my life, I'm 45 now, so I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, what do I want to do with my life? I finally hit it at that, 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 uh, that uh, crossroads. <laughs> when I'm 45. <laughs> well, David, we're running like, up against the clock, so um, I I want to say uh, the hour and a half went by, zoomed by. We appreciated you joining us and enjoyed chatting with you, folks. If you <laughs> want to find out, like I said, more about David and PacWest Bigfoot, uh, the links are on the Monster X page, and. Uh, Please go in and uh, enjoy the stories that David is putting out there based on true stories. So for uh, for my uh, co-host Shane Corson, this is Gunnar Monson. Thank you again for listening to Monster X Radio, and we will catch you next week. Have a great week until then. Squatch out.
thank you for joining Monster Edge Radio 